Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 105. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction audio podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. This week we bring you the second Drabblecast double header. Two awesome short stories by one awesome short story writer. Or short story writer, I mean. The author, Mer Lafferty. The theme, pie. Wasn't it Winston Churchill who once said, Of that which draws forth mankind's deepest sentiments, none petitions greater devotion than the love of one's country, the love of one's God, and pie. That could have been Gandhi. Anyways, Murr is a fiction and nonfiction writer who began podcasting in 2004. Her work can be found in magazines such as Knights of the Dinner Table and websites such as Suicide Girls, and her fiction has been released in both podcast and print formats. Her 2008 novel, Playing for Keeps, and her novella, Heaven, Season 4, Wasteland, won Best Novel and Best Novella in the Parsec Awards last year at Dragon Con, where Kendall, one of our editors, drunkenly hit on her at a party and was appropriately shot down. She recently completed the first season of her zombie audio drama, The Takeover, and all of her work can be found at merverse.com. Go check it out. So without further ado, a double header of Pie Stories by Mer Lafferty. The Blueberry Pie by Mer Lafferty. There, honey, with the knife. Dare, six years old, trapped her bottom lip between her teeth and struck out, the penned creatures scrabbling away from her. But she was faster than one, and her plastic knife sunk in, right in the soft spot in the middle, and the creature fell. As she pulled the knife out, her red tongue darted out to lick the filling, apple, from the blade. She picked up the slain fruit pie from the ground where it had fallen and held it above her head. The shaman, the chief, and her proud parents cheered, welcoming her into the tribe of pie hunters. The second rite of passage had her, at 17, 
greatly distracted. She'd been hunting full-grown pies for four years now. The little handheld fruit pies were for kids. The preservatives made them slow and stupid. But the pies in the wild, they were the true treasure. They had formed the culture of her people. She hunted the elusive cherry pie that only surfaced in the spring to mate and lay eggs. Once she had killed a cherry pie in heat, then she would feel a man's touch for the first time. While she considered choosing Omlive, who also hunted his first cherry pie, she couldn't get the story from last night's ritual out of her mind. The shaman had sat with her staff, topped with a rolling pin and measuring spoons, and told them the story of the legendary blueberry pie. It was as big as four pies and could swallow a man whole, but it was the ultimate honor to slay. Dare shifted in her hidden spot in the undergrowth. Her skin itched where the apple filling, her signature filling, had begun to dry and flake. She shrugged it off. It masked her scent. A rustling pulled her out of her thoughts and back to the present. A pie rustled past, and Dare's eyes narrowed. The bright red filling dribbling out of the steam holes on the top gave it away. Cherry. Behind it, though, something bigger moved. The cherry in heat had attracted more than the pie hunter. It had attracted another pie. A bigger pie. Dare gasped. She gripped her spear tighter and sprang from her hiding place. But just as her arm moved forward, a body tackled her and she fell. She swore as the larger pie crashed away and found the screams given by the dying cherry pie poor solace. She focused on her attacker in outrage. Omlive, her best friend, sat on her stomach, grinning at her. I have my pie, Dare. Do you? Idiot. That was a blueberry pie. He squinted after the pie. I, I didn't see it. But you got the cherry. What do you say, Dare? Do you still care to celebrate the rite with me? Dare remembered the snuffling of the blueberry pie after the cherry in heat. She grinned. She reached out and got a fingerful of the cherry pie hanging at Omlive's belt. She smeared the filling on his chest. He leaned down and put his mouth on hers. As they made love, smearing the hot cherry pie filling all over the clearing, the lumbering sound returned. Dare gripped her spear.
The Last of the Pie Hunters by Murr Lafferty Old Hattie tended her garden every morning, rain or shine. No telling what damage the vanilla bean pests would do in the night. She picked them off from her spider plants diligently, fingering the little insects to see when they would be ripe for the picking. Full-grown spiders made short work of vanilla bean pests, but she would have to have a crop make it to maturity first. She was picking the long black beans off of her plants as the warrior broke through the trees and collapsed against her fence. Hattie wiped the sticky vanilla oil on her apron and stood slowly. Although the pie hunters allowed her to live in their country, she didn't follow their practices, nor did she share their hatred for the cake eaters in the country bordering theirs. The war was none of her business. But this warrior had several serrated lacerations on his arms and back, and Hattie was not a woman without compassion, and he was bleeding all over her fence. How did you get separated from your tribe? She asked as she approached. They're all dead, he said, not looking at her. My chief told me to get out, to escape. He told me of your farm here. Hattie nodded. She didn't ask more questions. She just slung her arm under him and took him inside. She bathed him and dressed his wounds and brewed a medicinal tea. The warrior, Focus, stared at his bandaged arms as he drank the tea. Hattie cleared her throat. I suppose war was inevitable. I'm surprised it took you this long. Focus looked offended. Pie hunters do not kill humans. Except for now. The cake eaters are an abomination. They are not proper warriors. They are fat and lazy, and the cake is too stupid to even be a worthwhile or respectful prey. So how did they kill your tribe? Focus lost all rage and slumped onto his pillow. Their weapons. They use serrated knives to slaughter the cakes. Our pie server spears barely pierce flesh. Also, if a cake is slain during the battle, it falls, and many of our warriors didn't think to get out of the way. They suffocated. Hattie shook her head. So you best them in ability, but they best you in tools. What started the conflict? Cakes. Cakes broke free from their pen and stampeded. They came onto our land. They defiled the pie's mating grounds. It was time. Hattie rubbed her hands on her skirts. How many of you are left? He didn't answer. He didn't look at her. He slept fitfully the night through, tossing and crying out, and she sat by his side. The next morning, she stared out her window at the vanilla beans in the garden, gnawing on the spiders. She did not go out to remove them. The vanilla beans would attract the pies 
and the pies would attract the warriors if any remained alive. And if not, Focus would need something to hold on to. She could always grow spiders next season. Well, that was our double header. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's do some feedback for a story that we ran a couple weeks ago called Bemused by Michael R. Fosberg. This was a story about a writer who meets his muse, but finds out he's a total douchebag. Not a lot of response to this story. People seem to enjoy the story as a light snack, but couldn't really find much else to discuss or say about it. Cam Blamo said, Not a bad story. There was nothing unexpected, but it still pushed enough buttons to make it worth the price I paid for it. The lack of twist is no longer expected, though, so maybe we need a twist or something to keep us guessing. Or am I raising expectations unexpectedly? Dr. Sachs said, I liked the story quite a bit, but because I took it as a metaphor, in a way. It was obviously meant to be literal, but I can't help but be reminded about how I feel about my muse at times as a composer. During my time in undergrad, people would sometimes say to me, I wish I could compose like you. I would always respond with a short speech that can be summarized with, No, you don't. It's not worth it. Don't get me wrong, I love my work and plan to pursue it, but there are days where, like the character in this story, I'm sick of being inspired. Gosh, can't I just play a video game, read a novel, write a long email to my girlfriend, or listen to the Drabblecast? Absolutely not, the muse says. You have an idea, and you have to write it down. Then I say no, and five minutes later I find myself at the computer inputting notes like I do every day. The bastards got me whipped, whether I like it or not, and some days I just want to take it out to a deserted rest area and... Ah, uh, we don't want to give away the end. We love hearing from listeners. Join our discussion forums and be a part of the Drabblecast community. You can find a link off our main page at drabblecast.org. While you're there, you can buy merchandise at the Drabblecast shop, or you can donate to us via PayPal or credit card from the donate buttons on our site. Your contributions keep this show running week to week, and we greatly appreciate your support. If you get a minute, write a quick review about us on iTunes or someplace, or just tell a friend about us and share the love. All our content is licensed through a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means you can't change it or sell it, but it's free to propagate and otherwise do what you want with it. Well, that was our show. We'll see you next week. Until then, our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you ladies out there that are longing to experience the touch of a man, you must first kill a cherry pie in heat. It's true, guys will have nothing to do with you otherwise. An hour ago this place was loaded And noise filled the room like the smoke And laughter and curses spilled like booze from a glass Words were all slurred when spoke Yes, words were all splurred when spoke In the dark corner table Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.